Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Deep Geeks, this edition of Deep Geeks as it were. Um, the show wherein we have a little bit of a dig through Deke Entertainment's back catalogue and attempt to uh, salvage the good bits from it. Uh, and as it turns out, most of the bad bits are things from your childhood. Hmm. Um, but yes, this... we're specifically calling you out. Yeah. You. You know who you are. Fucking Kevin. Um, I was thinking Kevin. <laughs> probably because Captain N. Uh, but uh, I today... We are looking at a um, a bit of an interesting one. This is a, a marketing cartoon, uh, or an advertising cartoon, for a very short-lived uh, kind of toy that kind of is half a speaker and kind of half a Furby, if the Furby was a weird robot that didn't, that wasn't like wearing a disguise to pretend the fact that it was an actual robot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I'm Mark, and All that's right, yeah. Avery, by Hello. the way. Um, I always forget one part. It's sort of the kind of thing that you would probably get in a crappy gadget shop these days. And yeah. And not think much of it, but, uh, I mean, apparently these were massive uh, state-of-the-art at the time well, uh, <laughs> um sort of yeah i'm not quite sure about that the zizzle is yes uh was designed by the guy who designed furby and it was supposed to be the next big thing as it were apparently according to wikipedia released in september 2005 um it's this very strange little plastic toy that's kind of like a peanut shaped body with uh, kind of tripod legs ending in flat feet. Um, and its head has big bulging eyes coming out with a uh, plunger or kind of a horn honker coming out uh, just underneath as its mouth. Little waggly antenna and kind of weird cone ears coming out of its side of its head. Um, the idea being that you plug it in, like plug headphones into it or plug a um, MP3 player into it, I think it was. And it will act as a speaker, but then you can also bugger about with, like, the ears and the little flappers and stuff like that, just all over its body, uh, to change the music, kind of add sound effects to it, um, kind of add filters and effects and things like that. And I'm not sure why it existed, but I do remember it. I mean, it's a fun, weird little remix toy. Slash, uh, thing that you can plug your iPhone into. Sorry, not even iPhone. No, it would be too the early I- for iPhone. iPod. Yeah, it would have been an iPod. It well, would no, have been the that's high- it if you're a lucky kid. No, it would be your MP Man 128 megabyte generic MP3 player. Ah, yes, but the people with the generic MP3 players wouldn't be getting a zizzle. It is. Yes, they would. Did you have one? Uh, I had one of the Happy Meal toy variants. Which yeah, that's a bit different. The, the Happy Meal toy variants don't do anything that the normal Zizzle is does. Uh, in actual fact, it is basically a hit clip. A, a what, sorry? A hit clip. A hit clip? Do you not remember hit clips? I do not remember hit clips. Tell me about hit clips. <laughs> oh God, I have to tell you about hit clips. Jesus, okay, I didn't know this is the 2000s nostalgia hour. Well, it's more 90s. Um, Hit Clips was a fascinating little uh, 
it was a fascinating little collectible toy uh, aimed at children, obviously. And what it was is you would have like a dedicated little toy stereo or little player and you would collect hit clips, which were these plastic squares uh, with uh, like a, some pop music on it. And it would be a sub 30 second loop of pop music um, that you would put, put into this player and it would play that little music loop and they became collectible for some reason and they were still pretty popular within like the early 2000s i remember seeing some in my first school um for example when i was that young um and yeah it was just this bizarre little collectible music thing those kind of toys have existed Uh for a while now i've seen um on tech moon's youtube channel there was one in the 80s called the pocket rockers which used cassette loops I don't know what uh, the hit clips used. I, I assume it was some kind of very primitive form of flash memory. Um, uh, yeah, flash memory would have been around for a while yeah. since then. I mean, if you're only doing 30 seconds, then I think at about that time you would be able to get novelty, quite expensive greetings cards. Yes, with that sort of, those definitely existed at that time. It was probably basically a glorified one of those chips. Yeah. So yeah, what you're saying is uh, McDonald's handed out squawk boxes in weird shapes. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, this is this very bizarre little toy from the mid-2000s. It had relative popularity, I want to say. I mean, especially thanks to the McDonald's Happy Meal toys, a lot of kids ended up having uh, like the, the weird sub-version of the years. I've just now remembered... Um, God, it would have been a few years after the years kind of um, started being a thing and then consequently disappeared into the ether. Um, I remember at a car boot sale, I did see an is, a full-sized is, and I do remember getting it and then consequently not knowing what the fuck I was meant to do with it because it was just the toy and none of the like instructions or anything. So I just had one of those and I don't think I ever did anything with it because I don't think it actually worked on its own because it did have, I think built-in music that you could then apply effects to and stuff and manipulate it by buggering about with its body. Like, I think the idea was that it um, it played a bit of music and then you would twist its ear and it would play a different drum loop over it or something like that. I think that's possibly the base idea. Yeah, I think there's a radio mode built into it somewhere. Yeah, like, I don't know the specifics of how this thing works, but um, the... Um, problem i'm having right now uh trying to figure out how it works is that all it's doing is reminding me of a uh, tim and eric sketch okay there is a tim and eric sketch called the cinco eye jammer which is this big uh colorful box um that is like meant to be a toy for kids and it has a big joystick on the top uh and you can throw it one way for eye jammer and throw it the other way I think for B bumper or something E bumping I'm not sure um, and it's designed to be like a, a total parody and mockery of the mid 2000s kids adverts where it was just completely obnoxious and in your face and just would not stop being so incessantly annoying um, and consequently the toy itself was also incessantly annoying because the whole thing of the eye jammer and the e-bumper was that the eye jammer just played loud high frequency pitched noises and then the e-bumper also did the same but with I think a lower pitched one and the entire thing is that kind of um, 
kind of framed as if it's this sort of it ended up putting the kids in that kind of a drug-like status or something because yes, yes, of the, was... like the addictive properties of the sound or something. Um, and then there's like a, a thing on the side, which is um, just like a, a tap, a plastic tap, which dispenses a ominous brown uh, liquid, kind of like, not brown brown, but like oatmeal brown. It looks like oatmeal. Um, and I think it's just called Eye Hungy or something like that. Um, and you just put your hands underneath it and it dispenses the thing because it just dispenses and then it just goes it's real food <laughs> like it's trying to uh, yeah. cover for itself yeah but yeah nightmare uh, yeah yeah and it's like I don't need parents I have eye hungry but yes <laughs> like that. but that's basically what it's were, reminding me of yeah just that both the is and also the time period is just entirely just what the eye jammer was mocking basically um but do go and look up that clip. It is easily one of the best Tim and Eric skits they have done. It's uh, any of the Tinko products are great, pretty much. But yeah, but back onto the ears. Yeah, unfortunately, we have to talk about the ears. Oh, here we go. The uh, Wikipedia gives us some information here, as it is prone to do. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that it would have such detailed information about the uh, uses and functionality of the is this all Yeah, ears. it's weird. It, um, it's as if they've taken it mostly out of the, man, the manual. Yes. Uh, so, uh, quote Wikipedia, the is has a few methods for input. First, as mentioned, it has an audio jack to connect other audio devices. It has two ears that are twistable and a touch-sensitive tentacle called a flicker on its head. Why is touch-sensitive tentacle, uh, like, linked? There's a blue text for touch-sensitive tentacle. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I can imagine okay, it's what... Okay, sepa- it's separated, it's separated, it's fine, don't worry about it. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> on top of this, it also has five buttons placed on different places on its colourful belly. All of the input methods except the audio jack are coloured in a secondary colour to raise its affordance. What? This is definitely ripped from the manual. Uh, the is's three legs also are adjustable, but these do not generate any input. <laughs> it's just so that you can make it a bit more sturdy, I it's guess. It's a tripod. It's, yeah. it's literally just got a tripod. Uh, for output, the is has a built-in speaker and knows that lights up in different colours and two eyes driven by small motors making them able to move up and down. When other audio devices is connected to the is, it acts as a speaker and also overlays some of its own sound effects on top of the sound from the audio device. When overlaying its sound effects, it also moves its eyes and lights up its nose by pressing the left side of is's belly. The sound effects will be turned off and is will only act as a regular speaker. Um, oh yeah, when no other audio device is connected, is has three modes of operation. Play, DJ, and WZIZFM. Which, uh, as, as it turns out, is one of the core plot points of this cartoon. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get onto that in a moment, because we do actually have things to say about this fucking thing. Uh, play mode, which is the mode on startup, it lets you compose your own music by manipulating its inputs. Each ear corresponds to one audio track, the belly controls the drum track and tempo, the flicker can be hit for it to generate sound effects. Uh, he randomly adds his own flavour to the track by overlaying witty comments or radio noise. Oh god. Wh- why? Um, and when in DJ mode, Iz evolves the track himself by changing one feature of the track at a time. If the user doesn't like the current music Iz outputs, the belly can be pressed to force Iz to instantly make a change. No interruption is allowed in this mode. So when the user tries any input, which will change the track, a simple sound is played to indicate that it registered the input, but it won't react to it. <laughs> no change is allowed. Uh, as stated in Iz's manual, <laughs> this is actually a funny thing. Uh, although he is not a radio, he thinks he is. 
on WZIZ-FM mode is creates a completely new track every time it makes a change and inserts the noise to simulate the tuning of radio stations between the tracks. But why? It's meant to be simulating WZIZ-FM. Why are you changing it off the fuck? Okay. Good point! If you adjust the ears, which are supposed to be the antenna, you can make ears create a new random track instantly. So... I don't actually know when this thing died off, but I know it didn't last very long. It was pretty short-lived. It kind of came and went. I mean, it's not even a toy of the year contender, so... Exactly. It's, you look at reviews and most people go, hey, it's kind of a cute thing, but it becomes annoying immediately. It's an interesting novelty with better sound quality than you expect, but uh, worse sound quality than you'd need. Uh, I think it was a CNET review that you were looking at that said that uh, several of the CNET employees wanted to toss the thing down the concrete stairwell uh, after about two hours. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, at that point, why are you playing with it for two hours? Well, I suppose well, kids would. Because you're a tech reviewer. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Jesus Christ, someone had to play with that thing for two hours. So, yeah, that's kind of what we know of the actual toy itself. Um... It was this interesting little mark on 2005's toy lineup, I guess. Um, but it barely left a scratch, as it were. Uh, but, of course, uh, as with all toys, it needed a bit of advertising. And what better way to advertise than to make a cartoon about it? Now, this is after, long, long after the golden age of make a cartoon about the things to advertise them. Yeah, this is 2005. Yeah, not 1995. Mm. Yu-Gi-Oh! Successful. Pokemon? Successful. Digimon wasn't trying to do that, but successful. Uh, I mean, Digimon kind of was, but no. by the time it reached us, the product had completely metamorphosed into something completely different to what it started as. I guess. I mean... Because the original Digimon was just a, a Tamagotchi that fought other Tamagotchis, but we didn't get the Digimon cartoon until after the Pokemon cartoon was successful. Yeah. At which point it's so removed from the original thing that it doesn't even seem like an advert. It just seems like a weirdly um, a weirdly epic storyline for it's a children's very, cartoon. It's very surreal as well. Yeah. I guess because it's digital so they can make oh, fuck it, anything can happen, it's computers. That show's cool. I need to watch more Digimon. Um. Anyway... <laughs> The cartoon itself that we're talking about in question is called Ziz and the Z. It's wrong. It, it's yeah. Iz and the Zizzles. Yes. Now, this is a two-parter cartoon. Sort of. No, not sort of. It's a two-parter cartoon. There are two parts to this cartoon. But two, yeah. the second part is a separate episode that was not included on the DVD release of this cartoon. And the only exist like trace of existence we have of episode two being a thing is A, an Amazon review, and B, the Romanian dub of it being on YouTube. It doesn't seem to have been released at the time, but it may have been released on Netflix in around 2014. Yes. Well, no, it was taken off of Netflix in 2014. Yes, it the was, whole it, thing was cut together into a single film. Yeah, it was It was indeed put together. like So it, it did exist um, at one point, and I presume it was shown on TV, because uh, it definitely wasn't straight to DVD, 
But I'm not sure it was. I think it might have actually been a DVD movie. I really don't think so. I really do not think so. The only way I'd be able to check was to go onto archive.org and load up the Wayback the Is and the Zizzles website in the Wayback Machine. Mm, yeah. But I I think with considering the length involved and the uh, the fact that it's not a series, it may have just been a promotional DVD. To be fair, I could actually see the um, DVD disc just kind of being tossed into the is packaging mm, as a bonus, or handed out in the same way that some McDonald's toys were. Potentially, but it was definitely not handed out that way. <laughs> no. It was a retail product, at least the DVD yeah. was. Um, so, where do we begin with this cartoon? Ooh. It kind of it it it's bizarre the plotline is weird it, it goes off immediately in the direction that you would never actually expect yeah um i mean this frames is as being a artificial intelligence developed by a scientist called is it dr zizzle i think it's dr zizzle yes. so i have a dr zizzle professor zizzle he is a very, very small man with beady eyes and, and giant glasses. His character design is a, bizarre. It is so out of place with everything else. And a droopy dog voice. Don't forget the droopy oh, dog yeah, voice. Oh, yeah, the droopy dog voice is the most important part. Um, who is used... Who is retrofitted by the military to become a spy device. But the plan is to just have one of these things and drop it onto an unnamed enemy country. Except it, the plane goes wrong and it gets dropped on Peoria, which I believe is... Where in the United States is Peoria? Illinois. Arizona. Yeah. So, the middle of fucking nowhere, USA. Now, here's the thing... If you're using a military plane to drop uh, ordnance that is um, this rare and important, and this is actually the bombing run, this isn't a transport run or anything, why is it flying over mainland USA? Because there are multiple bases in Europe... (laughs) Where they would run these tests, these um, drops from. The other thing that um, I have a question is um, a bit later on, something happens. I'm still not sure how or what, but electricity zaps the is and the plane catches on fire somehow. I don't know how the plane catches on fire, but the plane catches on fire and comms cuts out. Now, keep in mind, comms has cut out. The plane is all the way over in Illinois, presumably miles away from the base, which we're like the camera is in, and presumably all of the uh, like controls for that plane have gone. The professor runs behind him and hits a big button in the base, which somehow manages to open the bomb bay doors on the plane and release is. 
that raises at least three different questions immediately. Let's say the three questions. Number one, why is that button a thing in the base? Number two, how is that button working from the base, considering that plane is presumably miles away and no amount of communication would actually reach that far? Number three, if comms are down and the plane is just dead, how do the bay doors open? Yeah, I mean, but I mean, this, this, the fact that there is precedent for this, they could literally have just done it that way. It would have been more dramatic. It would have been easier to explain. But this is a kid's cartoon, so no one's caring about any of the details like this. It's a kid's cartoon that sets it up with a bizarrely dark plot immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So basically, the setup we've got here is that Iz is sort of on the run from the military. Yeah. Uh, This is our A plot. Who comprise of a bunch of G-men in a... Bunch Including of one that looks that reminded me a lot of uh, Kingpin. Um, the the main bad guy. No, he's the media baron. No, 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 no. I'm thinking more specifically because he's wearing a big black suit and he's big, hulking. His head is like further down than where the line of his shoulders is. Reminds me a lot of how Kingpin is depicted in Into the Spider Verse, where he just takes up the screen. Oh, which is weird, because the media baron who wants to buy the radio station... Is just Kingpin. Is just fucking Wilson Fisk. Yes, it is. It is Rupert Murdoch is Wilson Fisk. Yeah. Um, So yeah, our A-plot is, Iz is accidentally dropped into Arizona and is now basically on the run from the military, but he doesn't even know it. Uh, And the military are chasing after him to collect him. There's a lot of scenes that I think they were trying to uh, evoke E.T. with, but they end up Mm. more like Mac and me. Yeah, really. Uh, The B-plot is that this random bloke owns a perpetually failing uh, kind of home-run radio station. Now, how much do we hate him for this? Uh, For what? Well, the fact that... To follow his dreams, to uh, run his stupid little uh, one shack in the middle of nowhere radio station in the middle of nowhere in Peoria, Arizona, where there are nobody but farms surrounding him. Uh, For him to follow his dreams, which was hugely important, his wife gave up a seven year career in music production. Oh, right, yeah, that bit. Yeah. And I get that part of this is trying to get back to that position, but the fact that he has put his wife into this situation in the first place and that this is never a thing held against him. Yeah. Kind of disgusting. Yeah, he sucks. He's not a likeable character to begin with. He doesn't even redeem himself or anything. He's just like... He's not... not and, and like a a a likable character in I any mean, sense of the way, he tries too hard to be likable. It should have been the two of them together in it. Yeah, it should have been that this was a mistake that she made in her career, mm. because then it doesn't put it on him. Are we overthinking this? I think you're overthinking it. Oh, I I just I just found that. It made him completely unlikable as a character when he is supposed to be one of our most. I don't know the way that he talks and acts makes me feel like he's intentionally unlikable. Fair enough. I I mean I thought they were kind of trying to make him a bit sorry about it all, but I don't know. I it felt like he was 
like written to act like that in the first place. Fair enough, fair enough. Written to try and get to that point. Um So these yeah, this so, couple live in the middle of nowhere with their two kids. Mm-hmm. Uh boy and girl. Yeah, boy with no neck and girl with too much neck. Let's see if I can figure out their names from this nondescript list. I think it is uh is Max one of them? Yes, Max is the little kid with no neck. Okay, okay. And Vera Vera is the one with the too much neck. I remember that, yeah. I've just figured out mm. who Max reminds me of. Right. And it is Brian from Stressed Eric. Uh, give me a moment to search that up. Right, yeah, looking at it now. Yeah, I do see what you mean, definitely. It's, <laughs> it's very much very similar. Uh, I've not actually seen the show, so I had to look it up there. Uh because, as it turns out, uh, adult animated cartoon from, like, the mid-2000s or whatever. No, I would not have seen that at all. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no. I definitely see what you mean there. It reminded me, personally, both the art style and the character design reminded me of uh, a few cartoons. It reminded me of The Cramp Twins and uh, Watch My Chops, also known as Corneal and Bernie. Except, of course, those were both far superior. Yes, those are far superior cartoons and have aged really well. Uh, whereas... The... I think the Crump Twins are still being shown on CBBC. That's how well it's aged. More than fair. Uh, on the other hand, the actual um, the faces of the characters kind of reminded us of Control-Alt-Delete, the webcomic. It reminded you of Control-Alt-Delete. I disagreed. Fair it's, enough. It, they just had a similar face on the frame that we paused on. Uh, either way, it's not a good... It's not a flattering comparison. Uh, no. But no, but no, no, not at all. The character design in this is awful. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it, there's not really much going on. It's just generic more than yeah, anything else. Yeah, it's just, it's just generic enough to be completely uninteresting and yet just off enough to be slightly unnerving. I think they, um... Animated is rather well, though. Oh, yeah, is. Is, is um, actually, I would, I, admittedly, is is pretty cute in this. Yes. He does a good job of, uh, of kind of selling himself, I guess. Yeah, it's just a shame that he's basically the same as the car from Inspector Gadget. Well, yeah, he gets that beer that way. He downloads, he downloads all of the music off the radio's computer and becomes... Your generic, hey, crazy kind of radio DJ yeah, personality. Uh, uh, which, and that actually gets them listeners Which momentarily. makes no sense. Yeah. Because if nobody listens to this radio station, as is already established, then why are people suddenly listening because a new DJ appeared randomly one day? Exactly. Plot hole. Um, Regardless, this basically momentarily saves the radio station. I mean, we have skipped over a few plot points here, being that... Uh, the kids are in a band. Yeah, the kids are in a band, and they perform... The first song that we see them perform before is Interferes With Things is the wonderful electro-clashy kind of song, Eat Your Breakfast, which I will... I, I still sustain the opinion that it's a fucking banger. Yeah, it's not a bad song. It's a really good tune. I like it. It's, it's fun and it's silly, and... Uh, 
Now, it's very, very catchy. If you've seen any kids' media involving uh, weird characters like Is and bands, you will, of course, have already cottoned on to the fact that at some point Is joins the band. Yeah. Go Ru- figure. Completely ruins their sound. Uh, yeah, kind of all of the, the songs after Eat Your Breakfast, it kind of slowly degrades, doesn't it? it they it's... are worse with Is. Yeah. Great advert for your music mixing toy, guys. <laughs> Add this music mixing toy to ruin all your music. Oh, God, how nice Um, There you go. We've sorted out the music aspect. That's fun. Uh, I can't remember any of the names of the songs from the uh, other songs, the names of them. Um, but, I mean, it's... What am I going to say now? Um... They somehow consistently keep coming up with these brand new songs that they haven't practiced before and they haven't established that they've already written or made, particularly when their final number is literally directly about is. Like, they just invented it on the fly while running up the stairs before it Yeah, there's an alien that turned up yesterday. Yeah. Sorry, not an alien. I keep thinking alien because it's just the plot of E.T. with more. Yeah. <laughs> Except it doesn't eat Reese's Pieces. Oh, yeah. um, and it doesn't go home. Fucker. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we did skip over a few plot points, uh, such as when it crash lands on, into a cornfield in Arizona, it writes out its own name somehow. No, it doesn't, because is isn't its name. It's I2, and yet it somehow writes is. Uh, well, there's that. Um, and that causes uh, the guitarist of the band hit that kid i can't remember his name i think it's lucas uh yeah yeah lucas uh his mom f- sees it and freaks the fuck out and uh calls up 911 about it or some shit she's a basically conspiracy theorist character uh um, she was fun yes she was fun I, I quite liked her character um this would be much better uh cartoon if it was just a weird cartoon which is about her versus this weird musical alien thing that has just yeah, landed in but I mean at that field. point you've just made Tom and Jerry again or Spy vs. Spy again it's still more fun true true it's a solid basis whereas this thing is so confused and it's trying to be so many things and trying to advertise so many functions of the uh, this toy yeah that it doesn't work anymore um what other plot points have we skipped over the things? Oh right, yeah, the uh, the rest of the B plot because the F the the, the radio stage. Well, yes, obviously, but we skipped over the majority of the B plot establishing. Other than he has a radio station, oh, yeah. um, the radio station obviously is failing, uh, and he's having trouble kind of keeping it going. As a result of that, the rival corporation, um, which owns all the radios, I guess, in the area. Yeah, um, is trying to uh, buy it up, and we have the the Weasley kind of assistant to the boss, who is actually his son, uh, trying to force the deal through, brute force it. As I say, basically the Murdochs. Yeah, um, and he's trying to like obviously trying to avoid doing that deal because he doesn't want to give up on his dream. 
Well, it's uh, not that he doesn't want to give up on his dream. It's that he wants to give up on his dream, but he wants a certain amount of money to give up on his dream so he can move back to um, to New York and just kind of step back into his wife's dream that was completely abandoned so that he could go for this dream that obviously that isn't that important to him. God, this dude sucks. I hate this dude. Uh, Christ. Uh, and then Ace comes in and makes a racket and... Uh, Becomes a radio DJ for some reason. And she was in the industry for more than seven years. How has he got no <laughs> contacts? <sighs> so anyway, let's fast forward on a bit. Um uh, what was it? I think I believe it was um the father who runs the, the radio station then broadcasts the kids' band complete with is um on his radio station and no one listens to it uh but the baddies the 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 government baddies uh caught the fm radio and have tracked the location and barged in but dr zizzle bursts through just in time first hand to collect them in a black car and then the government bursts through uh Uh, no that makes sense no it did not hold on did did you point out that that is what happened okay so we're saying that Okay, the power went out on the um, radio broadcast because the... Uh, I can't remember what Rupert Murdoch's son's name. Is it Jack? The, no, it's not. The power didn't go out. No, the power didn't go out. He threatened to turn the power off. No, he t- he. the power went off because he went to uh, the, the power, power did, company. The power didn't go off. He threatened to turn the power off. He brought an electrician around to turn the power off. The power had not turned off. No, the power had definitely turned no, off. No, it... <laughs> which is why it wasn't broadcast. Do we have to rewatch this fucking cartoon again? We really don't. The power wasn't on, which was why it was bro- wasn't broadcasting. And yet nobody seems to have noticed because none of the lights went off. And also, it must have been broadcasting because it brought the uh, <laughs> it brought the G-men. Straight to the get this cartoon radio station, but otherwise they wouldn't need to sell the radio station. Still, theoretically, because oh. the band would be famous, because that's how it works. Sorry, I've I've missed an entire section here. No, uh, <laughs> the FM radio doesn't lead them to the FM station, but it leads them to the general area. Uh, at which point, they meet the Lucas's mom, and Lucas directly tells them. About the the robot. Oh yes, that was and it. And then they go around it, and okay. they perform, and then the power goes off, and then the G men step in. <sighs> God, uh, Doctor Zizzle takes them in his car, black generic nondescript black car, and goes, "Oh, it's good to meet you again. We're fucked." Uh, and then everyone hates Lucas because it turns out he told the G men. Uh, is com- cozies up to Lucas for a moment and goes, "Hey, I've got an idea." Do this. It just kind of kind of whispers in his ear, uh, and then Lucas goes, "I've got a great idea." And everyone goes, just preemptively, "Fuck off!" Uh, <laughs> and but Lucas goes like, "No, no, no! Hear me out." And the idea is to uh, run into a nondescript TV studio that they somehow have access to. It's specifically to call up uh, the. Uh Murdoch Jr. XP to say that they would sign the deal. Oh, right, yeah, that was it. But to sell the station, 
part of the deal will be that the kids band plays live on television with is and uh at which point they will be willing to uh to make the deal and the security must not let anyone else into the building yeah so that happens and that solves everything pretty much yeah they perform live on uh, national tv uh and then the cam- well the cameras are still rolling the government bloke main bad guy who steps in to take uh custody of is and they're like, oh, listen to this naughty G-man bloke. He's going to take away his. Call now and tell him that you don't want him to to take his and so they can perform again or whatever. And they get loads of calls through and it's like, oh, all these people in all these different places in America want you to take away his. And the and G-man goes, the- no, I only listen to the president. And then the president calls because of course he does. And yeah. then they like is go and happily ever after. The president oh, right. was watching this unscheduled woman, performance. The woman get the, the the wife gets her job as a record producer back and becomes the band's manager and they get signed on for a three record deal. Yeah. The end. Well, not quite. That's the end of the cartoon. Uh, but there is a part two. Uh, to it, which we can't watch, called Will the Zizzles Sizzle or Fizzle? And I hate that episode name (laughs) so much. But it uh, currently only exists in Romanian, and as a result, we don't know Romanian, so we can't watch it. It is officially lost media in English, but it is so obscure and, like, uninteresting that no one wants to even put it on the lost media wiki the wiki that is renowned for having a bunch of shit on it that is supposedly lost that no one in their right mind would ever give a shit about and this episode of is and the Cecils is not on there yeah this is bad <laughs> um but the cartoon itself the situation with episode two bad the cartoon that we just watched wasn't awful we've watched a lot worse we have um considering the second episode is lost we are counting this as a single one-off yes uh we're so what would you say yeah well, yeah where, do, just you, where did we put poochie things what list uh we put poochie in the regular list i believe we've put Dang. all of the one-off specials in the regular yeah. cartoon, in case, cartoon list because we have a separate list for christmas specials right but we're um, counting this as a regular rather than a movie because... Yeah, even though it is 45 minutes long, it is technically feature length. Um, well, it, it was a set-up to a longer series. Yeah, it was. It, it was more of a... It, it, as you mentioned, it, it felt like a pilot more than It's else. like the first two episodes of a four-part miniseries. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, just to uh, instill some dread in you, by the way, for if episode two of the English... The English dubbed episode two does actually uh, make its way out onto the internet. It introduces a second is. Oh, joy. And it's a girl. Of course it is. And it's pink. Yay. Heteronormativity. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, as, like, dull and uninspired as the plot line is, and as much as it just kind of feeds into tropes and 
lot of the main characters are just un like just unlikable and meh, and ninety percent of the music apart from one particular track is meh. the show overall it's it's fairly entertaining I'll be honest I was quite happy watching it, it yeah it kept me engaged it uh it it I would say its biggest problem is pacing it moves at a glacial pace. Because it's 45 minutes long. Yeah, it really doesn't need to be 45 minutes long. It would work just as well if it was half an hour or 20 minutes. Um, But, yeah, like, the music is okay. The the first song is a fucking banger, as I said. Uh, The voice acting is... The plot line is... And... uh, the setup is eh. got a question yeah in 2005 mm. how big were was the idea of i mean were kids really wanting to become rock groups i mean it's uh i think let me just check something there was a specific toy that i have in mind right now that i need to check on the release date of um because if it's around the same era Sorry, hold on, I just noticed. Uh, okay, Wikipedia states that Isn't the Zizzle was direct-to-video. It also says that it was created in 2007. Wait, what? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, INDB agrees. Good grief. Um, Released in 2007. Two years after Is, yeah. Yeesh. Yeah, no wonder no one cared. God. All right, yeah, never mind. The uh, the toy that I was thinking of was uh, introduced in 2010. It was Paper Jams, with a Z on the end, which was a uh, set of musical toys that were, like, thin bits of plastic and stuff, and you could imitate being a rock star with it because you had, like, the electric guitar and the bass guitar and the drum set and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but, I mean, this specific... But that's what it reminded me of. specific form of rock band... That keeps getting put into kids' media. I wouldn't say it's a rock band. It's not quite rock. That's true. It does have a keyboard. It is more... Oh, wait, no, that makes it even more 80s. Mm. This exact same setup has been sold... It's, it's more of a synth-pop band. It's a yeah, synth-pop band, but this exact same setup has been sold as the ideal to kids since the 80s. Yes, totally. And yet... Well, I... It doesn't I... really... Your generic kid in 2005, I feel, would generally have the dream of being in a band or being a musician. I think that is a fairly standard aspiration to have that is common throughout most kids of that time. Like, your generic uh, 2005 girl would want to be in a girl band or a singer-songwriter like Rihanna or Christina Aguilera, just to name a couple. uh, synth pop band specifically, you would have to be me. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have been a, in a band like this as a kid. Yeah, but, I mean, they, they, they are a bit punk pop at times. A little bit. Eat Your Breakfast was definitely punk pop. That 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 was a fucking like heavily anti-parent anthem for the ages. That was. Yeah. It was great. I loved that tune, but. Uh, <laughs> I could just probably lift that song out and just toss the rest of the cartoon away and I would be happy. Fair. Um, but, yeah. 
I don't really know. Like, <sighs> hmm. Rock band was definitely picking up around that time, wasn't it? Guitar Hero and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, the the, but, the people who played that were in their twenties. Not not entirely. No, there was definitely kids who played Guitar Hero. Oh yeah, but I mean, the the actual. I mean, if you look at the aesthetics of that, that's aimed at adults. Paper Jumps had the exact same aesthetic as Guitar Hero. Oh wow, that is a knock total knockoff of the Guitar Hero aesthetic, isn't it? Yes. Yep, yeah, fair Your enough. Point is is uh, moot. So, so uh, that specific aesthetic was back again. Weird. Yeah. Um, no, Guitar Hero and Rock Band was a hundred percent a thing enjoyed thoroughly by kids. Oh yeah, I mean I get that, but just because it looked like it was aimed at not kids does not mean that kids were. It was not popular with kids. Yeah, you know, it was very popular with kids. Yeah. So yeah, it's just there was this kind of point at which. Every other cartoon wanted you to be an 80s band. And when it was um, Sonic Underground... It oh, was, boy, we have to go to that, don't we? It was so far removed from <sighs> what the musical culture was at the time that it was hilarious. So I was just wondering what the context was. <laughs> if Fair enough if this, uh, if this kind of setup was back again. I mean, I suppose it kind of was. Then... Uh... Um, but, yeah... So all things said and done, where is sticking this on the old ranking list? You 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 wanted to know where Poochie was, didn't you, on the list? Or um, where where are we looking uh, for this? I think definitely top twenty. I think is fair. Really? Hmm. I think yeah, it's pretty decent. At number twenty, precisely, we have Captain Planet, and I fucking hate Captain okay, yeah, Planet. Okay, yeah, this is definitely top twenty. You have to remember we have 54 things in the ranking list. Yeah, this this list like is very bottom heavy. 30 isn't it? to 54 is just trash. Okay. <laughs> um so top 20 Poochie is at number 12. Okay. So how do you feel Poochie about was this? better than this. Um yes it was. Uh the only thing that I'm seeing on this list that bears any vague resemblance to uh kind of the style and what it's meant to be doing is Hammerman. Oh uh, god. Which is also similarly music themed, but Hammerman is fantastic, so I don't want to fucking <laughs> replace that jam. Uh, as you said, Poochie was way better, and I agree with that. Mm. Uh, my main takeaway from this was literally just that one song. Um, the other one-off that we've got in the top 20 is Battletoads, which was uh, also the advertising Battletoads things. is better than this. It's... Yeah, Battletoads had fun cartoon th- It used the daft comic style of Battletoads to its advantage, for I mean, sure. Battletoads was completely the wrong decision for the property and yet worked. Yes, I agree. Um, okay, so going off the animation style of the era, uh, Sabrina the Animated Series. Ooh, now that is very comparable. Um, and above that is real Ghostbusters. It's definitely lower than Sabrina. Really, now? Yes. What makes you say that? Uh, because Sabrina was rather more solid, the designs worked a lot better. Yeah. Uh, as a... Um, the designs worked with the art style. Yeah. And... Uh, and also Nick, I have fond memories of Nick it. Nick Bakaya's Salem is better than is. Yeah. When it comes to your... Uh, your... I mean, Nick Bakaya is just Salem in general. He's that... that, that. He is Salem to me. There is no other Salem, it's just Nick. I mean, uh, before Salem, 
the Nick Bakai Salem. Uh, Salem wasn't a, a character who could speak in any form of uh, Sabrina Teenage Witch medium. Mm. Does he speak in the uh, new Netflix one? Nope. Mm, interesting. Okay, so below Sabrina we have Mummies Alive, which similarly I only took one theme song as my favourite bit. One one particular song as my favourite bit of it, and then the rest kind of just tossed away, kind of, yeah, it was alright. Wait, we did Mummies Alive? We did Mummies Alive. We did... Oh my god, we did Mummies Alive. Good god, that thing is forgettable. Yes, it is. It's very forgettable. I think this might be better than Mummies Alive. I'm inclined to agree. I'm, I'm inclined to say it's actually on par with Mummies Alive, because, as I said, I my main takeaway from it was a single song, and then the rest was kind of like, yeah, it was alright. Mummy's Alive made even less sense than this somehow. It did. Um, and I'll be honest, more got done in one episode, in this one single episode of Isn't the Zizzles than the four or so episodes of Mummy's Alive that we saw. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you there. I'm going to say it goes right there. Which places Isn't the Zizzles at number 19 between Sabrina the Animated Series and Mummy's Alive. Sounds good. It's a solid little place for it. Um, yeah, I think that's it now, isn't it? Uh, yes. We've had a nice chat about it. That worked much better than the last episode. You mean the one we axed? Uh, yeah, the one that we axed. Uh, eagle-eyed viewers may notice that we didn't have an episode last week. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Whoops. It, I mean, had you gotten it, it would have consisted about 15 minutes of us talking about a public domain-based uh, movie saying, yes, yeah, is a public domain work, uh, pirates are cool, uh, followed by a long discussion about Captain Marvel and uh, Shazam. Yeah, we were both incredibly out of it, incredibly tired. I had, um, well, I still kind of technically have it, but it's definitely uh, cleared up since uh, Concord from EGX Rest, and we were both just fucking exhausted. We were talking about this really boring, not exactly notable uh, movie rendition of Treasure Island, and it was just like... God, like half of it was just Mark going through the actual plot of Treasure Island, and then we stopped doing the plot of Treasure Island, and we talked for approximately five minutes about the things, like the details of the movie... And then ended it, and then it became a bonus podcast talking about two movies that we saw recently, yeah, uh, complete with spoilers. And both of them are gone because the audio in that in that entire recording was trash as well. Yeah, and not <sighs> even for the usual reasons. No, no, it's because uh, our microphones were up too loud. Hooray! <laughs> so we were constantly clipping, and it sounded awful. Um, There's a lot of it going around. There's a a whole bunch of successful podcasts I've been listening to that have lost an episode recently because of issues. Yeah. It's... All the warranties have run out on our microphones. Um, <sighs> Christ. But, yeah, we didn't have an episode last week, we presume, so obviously our little break has been longer than we expected, um, or intended, even. Uh, but we're back now. We're we're back in the groove. Yeah. Recorded this nice episode that I'm really hoping has not had any problems. And Jesus Christ, if it's had any problems, I'm going to fucking shit myself. I mean, we literally just changed our recording method, so yes, recording a long have. episode immediately may have been a bad decision. Well, we've recorded this episode on your laptop, which is infinitely more powerful and less bogged down with shit I mean, than the media PC yeah. that we've been using to record for the past, like, four years. On the one hand, it 
it's only an i3. On the other hand, that's better than a Core 2 Duo. Yeah. Uh, it also has more RAM in it, and also it's freshly installed Windows 10, so it's running very nice and smooth. There's nothing installed on it. There's nothing clogging it up. So here's hoping we didn't need to change the buffer settings. Yeah, we didn't adjust any of the ACO settings because we figured that it would be fine. Um, oh, God. The other problem that I had with um, the recording was that it was constantly falling out of sync, and I was getting so fucking sick of that because it was out of sync immediately out of the gate. Uh, on that recording, and I don't know how that even happens. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't, but it was. So, here's hoping, with this one, that things have gone well. And if they don't, we're back to one microphone for a while, yeah, I guess. simply to get a run of podcasts where we don't have to deal with this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I'm hoping the fact that the laptop's more powerful will uh, fix at least a large part of the issues. Hopefully. The outer sync one seems like it's a problem with the computer failing to keep up properly with itself. Um, things like that. Same with the buffer issues. Yeah. Well. <sighs> Fingers crossed, eh? Only one way to find out. <sighs> but we digress. This has been... Deep Geeks, a Mercy Couples podcast. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode, which I really hope you have, uh, then why not uh, check out our other episodes that are online? You can uh, subscribe to us through iTunes, through an RSS feed, or through Google Play. All the links are on our website, mostlycobalds.com. If you want to get in touch with us, then we're also on Twitter, at mostlycobalds, and you can also bother Mark on Mastodon, at Vordus, V-O-R-D-U-S, at mastodon.social. Uh, tell your friends about us if you're enjoying us and if they happen to also enjoy old trashy cartoons from the 80s, 90s and early 2000s uh, and yes we will see you uh, next time with another terrible cartoon probably, there's more bad than good in this library, seriously yeah, most likely ta-da